Kelsey Rolf, we did it. We were wrapping it up. <laughs> we did it. We made it. All right. This is the final day of the Association for Mineral Exploration and the Roundup Conference of 2022. A shorter day today. As I think I think things are going to wrap up around the market close when uh, they ring the TSX bell. Uh, but, Kelsey, there were still some sessions this morning that were needed to be tended to. Uh, and, the again, ongoing theme, environmental, social, governance, ESG, big themes throughout the week. Uh, that continued this morning. What were your what were your takeaways? Yeah, so it, it kind of feels fitting to end on that note with the ESG session because I feel like it really culminates on a, a conference-long focus on these issues. Um, and so like all the sessions I've been really enjoying, admittedly, I had to dip out of one. But one that I wanted to highlight that I thought was uh, quite cool was from the First Nations Major Projects Coalition. Um, they represent like 72 First Nations that want to be involved with projects and have a greater say on the environmental impact of them. And so um, Mark Podslasley, I hope I got his name right, uh, from the coalition had been highlighting um, that ESG standards essentially, uh, beyond being incredibly complex, they don't include Indigenous interests from the start. And this was an interesting point to me because you know, essentially without indigenous involvement in these standards, it's really hard to know if a company has like properly mitigated or addressed their risk. And like if your investment as an investor is a good one um, to give you like an example of how this played out, like the GRI standard, which is a global reporting initiative standard um, is used by like 80 percent of companies worldwide. But they say indigenous interests only become material when they launch a legal complaint against a company. And that's just like mm. not true at all. <laughs> Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah, so it, a lot of discussion with First Nations. Obviously, they, it's a priority to have the involvement of First Nations. But it, you know, this, this, these collaborations continue to evolve, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that came out of that session was uh, they're working on this thing called ESG Plus I, which would, if it comes together, like I, I'm sure it will, it would give investors some security, give indigenous people assurance that their interests and values have been met in a project and by a company and and kind of broadly benefit all parties. And this is like a, a good time for that to happen because you know we're looking at a future of uh, critical mineral, minerals projects that need to kind of get off the ground. So it's really important for those projects to take indigenous perspectives into account and, and move forward. Yeah. Uh, I hosted the awards gala last night and there was obviously a lot of uh, people that received awards spoke about involvement with the first nations. John McConnell from Victoria gold had some pretty, I mean, actually it was incredible stories about working with the first nations up there uh, in Yukon. Uh, and then we had members of the Tall Tan Nation come up and accept a regard, uh, an award uh, emergency committee in their response during the COVID pandemic. Uh, uh, honestly, I, I was a little, I kind of kind of cried a little bit. It was actually really, it was really beautiful and, uh, you know, meaningful. You could tell that they worked really hard. So um, it, it, it is an incredible partnership this province has with First Nations, and I know you can't say that lightly because there's always improvements that can be made. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yep. I mean, like those stories uh, that you were mentioning with the Teltan sound, really, really incredible. I, I'm not surprised that you were moved. Um, I think like that's been a, a really interesting through line throughout the conference has just been 
like the evolution in relations between like mining and mineral exploration companies, and I would say probably governments as well with indigenous communities. I think I saw echoes of Jody Wilson-Raybould's framework for what reconciliation looks like with some of the agreements and, and relationships that we've heard about during like the gathering place, somewhat through the ESG session, just to like, you know, as, as you were saying, more meaningfully incorporate indigenous perspectives and um, their rights and territory. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey, let's uh, let's put a bow on this thing. Uh, looking back, the next, or excuse me, the last four days, uh, if you could kind of put a general theme and key takeaways from the entire event, what would they be for you? Um, so, I mean, I think I highlighted one, with, which was the um, focus on reconciliation. But the other one that stuck out for me was like a kind of broad focus on, you know, the importance of ESG now. I was listening to a talk from... Jamie Strauss at Digby this afternoon, or I guess this morning, your time, sorry. And he kind of pretty succinctly summarized ESG as being, you know, business critical at this point, because the percentage of investors who care about these metrics are, in his words, like too big to ignore. Um, and obviously, net zero, um, or just like the transition to, to getting to that point has been a real um, important part of the conference, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of companies highlighting their critical minerals deposits. Um, remarks from government ministers that have really, uh, really emphasized the urgency around this issue. And it's probably not surprising given that the last couple of years we've been seeing this rush of um, net zero commitments for mining companies. It just kind of feels like, okay, it's go time now. Yeah. yeah. So what were your takeaways? I've, I've blabbed at you for a few days. I'd love to hear what your <laughs> thoughts were. Uh, you know, my, I think key takeaways, uh, I think Roundup was really well attended despite the circumstances. I think there were more people here in attendance than I thought I would originally give the credit for. Great to see that. Um, also, the core shack has been busy. I know some people that uh, we work with here on the pod had a lot of traffic to go see uh, core and new projects, that early exploration projects out of BC and the rest of Canada. And I think there's a lot of eyes on these young geos turned CEOs that uh, that they are going to be the next generation for exploration and mining, and we should be really paying attention to them. I think those were some of my key takeaways. Ah, that's pretty cool. I was just thinking, I've never actually seen core before. What is it? Is it cool? <laughs> <laughs> it, it Yes, it depends on what kind of core you're looking at. But yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. I'm not a geologist, so I, you know, I ask naive questions when I go there and have them describe me describe it to me but yeah it's 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 fun to see you know the rocks that will continue to create value for shareholders and communities but also provide the substance for our society as we move forward it all comes from the rocks wow it's a so, great note yeah great kelsey note. uh it, it has been great to work with you this week i appreciate uh your feedback and all your work and uh hopefully we can do it again next year absolutely thank you so much for having me on it's been a real pleasure all right, Kelsey, let's, uh, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be right back with our second segment of this episode. Bye, Kelsey. Uh, we, we're back here with our uh, final segment of the uh, final wrap-up here for the Association for Mineral Exploration. Uh, we are introducing two guests today from Denton's Canada, Mr. Brian Abraham and Mr. Robin Long. Uh, we're going to have kind of a general conversation about Denton's and then obviously it's continue to expand on this ESG theme. It's been just 
a lot of discussion here uh, at the Roundup conference regarding this, so we should probably continue it before we wrap it up. Uh, Brian, I'm going to start with you. Can you give me a, just a quick introduction to Denton's? It doesn't sound like you're a very small company, but uh, it is important. Well, we are the world's largest law firm. You know, we have, I think, what, 70-odd countries and several hundred offices around the world and 12,000 lawyers, and the mining group is a significant part of that, particularly in, you know, Latin America, North America, and, and also in Asia. And so do you have, uh, obviously, you're a lawyer, or do you have mining experience background, or how did you fall into this? Yeah, I actually have a degree in geology, and I worked for the federal worked as a student when I when I did my thesis, and then worked after I finished school. I worked with the Rio Tinto on regional exploration programs for porphyry coppers in the Canadian Cordillera. Oh wow, uh, Robin, give me your background. Right, so I, I worked for a, another international law firm before I joined Denton's about two years ago. And so I've worked in law for about 15 years, but before that I worked in environmental consulting and actually have a background in biology. Wow. Scientists turned lawyers. That's right. right. What, 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 made, what's, what turned you stray here? You turned to the dark side. <laughs> well, I thought it's an interesting combination when you have a science background and you can you know, lend that experience to matters that come up for clients, so, so it's been useful on, on, on my side, and I think for, for Brian as well. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's kind of like jump on the saddle here and talk about environmental, social governance issues, ESG. Uh, you know, every day there's been a presentation or a significant discussion about this. Uh, ESGs come up, uh, First Nations reconciliations are continued themes that have, that continue to pose themselves here at the conference, and we'll see how it kind of goes out into industry following this. Uh, how does Denton's kind of approach these matters? Now, you actually have an ESG tab on the major firm's website, so obviously this is important for you to to help with your clients. Yeah, obviously it's, it's been a, become a, a key issue for clients in the mining space and in other, uh, in other um, areas of the economy as well. Uh, it, it's obviously become a key area of focus for investors and now uh, both the individual investors and institutionalized investors are looking at ESG as, as a key component for determining where they're going to put their money. Yeah. Brian, what's your take here? How has ESG really evolved in the last five, ten years? Well, I think it, that what we're seeing today is we're seeing the evolution of ESG to include, because I think when you look at the original ESG, it was, you know, environmental social governance, which uh, the part I think that perhaps wasn't given enough attention to early on was the social side of it. And the social side of it being more like, how do you deal with the community? How do you deal with the, you know, the indigenous communities? How do you deal with the Aboriginal and and you know, First Nations communities, and we're now seeing, I think, that that's an area that's going to be, it has expanded a lot. In British Columbia, I think we've done a very good job. You know, we have things like revenue resource sharing, and then Canada in terms of, you know, impact benefit agreements, things of that nature. When it, when it comes to the relationships with First Nations, you know, as an American, I've always felt that Canadians probably approach those partnerships a lot better than Americans have. That's just my opinion. Anyone's happy to agree or disagree. Um, but it's never perfect. It ha it's, it's not perfect, right? So where are there opportunities to really 
continue to improve those relations or will it, do you feel it will always be a continued dialogue for inevitable improvement? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we were just at a, a seminar before this session uh, on ESG and it was interesting to hear the perspectives of the speakers and, and one of them in particular, Mark Podlasli from the First Nations uh, Major Projects Coalition, they emphasized that ESG criteria um, uh, can be formed internationally or in, in overseas and it may not represent uh, the circumstances on the ground and especially when it comes to indigenous participation in those projects. So I think his group is really trying to, to promote that and, and, and promote indigenous involvement in, in major projects that make sense to them. What are we seeing overseas? Like if we take a step out, oh, step out of North America, step out of BC, uh, any case studies of this type of work that could be used, studied, maybe also applicable here in, in BC? Yeah, I think the challenge is that there's many different uh, uh, criteria or standards, and, and it's a challenge just knowing which standards to apply. Uh, a lot so, of variables. Yeah, so so you may have, there, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of different standards, and so to say you're ESG compliant, it, it's a matter of figuring out what you're compliant to and what standards you're going to adhere to. So perhaps in the next few years, things are going to shake out a little bit, and we're going to uh, there are going to be uh, established standards that, that work for everybody. Yeah, Brian, I, let me, that's a good point. I wanted to ask you this. Like, when it comes to these standards, I think one of the challenges has been maybe not ill-defined, but the goalposts are always kind of moving a little bit. Are we getting closer to having a well-defined standard of what ESG, so for people to hit those checklists? Well, I think that ESG is, is a live document. It's not something that's, you know, you're going to come to an end result and that that will always be the case because, you see, we have to bear in mind that, well, we might apply a standard in Canada, you know, based on, you know, the treaties and things like that you've got with First Nations and community involvement, but that same standard is not going to necessarily apply in other countries. You know, I know a lot of our clients that are involved in, for example, in Latin America, the standards there are different because the, you know, one of the key things in those kind of, in those jurisdictions is that central governments, with all due respect to them, take most of the money and very little goes back to the community. So in those jurisdictions, you have to be able to put in, you know, schools, hospitals, roads, power, all these other things, whereas in Canada, that's less of an issue. Correct. So you're going to see different focuses on ESG as we go forward, and it will be an evolving item. It's not it's going to be static. Yeah, it's so true, and ESG <clears throat> trends really follow trends in development in the, in the world around us, and, and so in the last few years, we've seen the, the pandemic, the Black Lives Matter movement, and also climate change is becoming um, really the key, three key topics of, of ESG. And so seeing how the, the companies have responded to that has been, has been really interesting from our, our perspective. Uh, can you kind of just walk me through how you help your clients? Like what's, you know, I know there's a, that's pretty general, general uh, question, but you know, how do you approach your clients with some of these uh, concerns they need help with with ESG? So in, in British Columbia, as <clears throat> Brian mentioned, 
you know, the focus, uh, one of the key focuses of ESG is on uh, First Nations relationships or relationships with the indigenous partners of, of uh, mining companies here. So it's a, a matter of, of guiding clients uh, on what their responsibilities are and uh, in the end negotiating the key agreements with those First Nations to uh, work out an arrangement that's, that, that works for everybody. Okay. Uh, Brian, Robin, this is it. You, you get the last word of the entire conference here on the podcast. You know, uh, Let's just wrap it up. Uh, key takeaways from your time here um, other than finally back with seeing people, but you know, what, what were kind of some big takeaways from your site? Well, that was the point that I was going to raise. That it's nice to be back in person, <laughs> <laughs> not online, but it's a, it's a good turnout here today. And uh, yeah, it's nice not to be on 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 Zoom or, or just just uh, seeing things online only. Brian, what are your your, your takeaways? Um, well, I become allergic to Zoom, Blue Beans <laughs> team, and a number of other things, and. It's uh, so nice to be able to, you know, see your friends and everyone that you're able to come to and, and it, where you can actually see them in person as opposed to on a, what I guess would be a TV screen. Right, right. Uh, Brian, Robin, pleasure to meet you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Better we could wrap things up with you guys. Uh, and uh, I think I'm just going to close things up here from Vancouver at the Association for Mineral Exploration Roundup Conference 2022. Uh, thank you so much to Kendra, Kylie, everybody at AME for inviting me to do this once again. I'm so thrilled to have been back, and I look forward to doing it again next year. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning with the long-form episode here on Mining Stock Daily. Uh, so until then, have a great rest of your day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning.